Alright everybody, welcome to the October 12th edition of Cascadian Views. It's Dan and I this week. Uh, happy spooky season, Dan. Oh, hey, it's it's quite a time. Yeah, I'm 33 and using the word spooky season. Well, it's always a blast. You know, We hit the pumpkin patch last week. It's a lot of fun. Dude, fall hit like a ton of bricks here. It went from being 75 to like frost on the ground. Yeah. Overnight. Yep, yep. It's been it's been hitting the 30s up here near the uh, great frozen Canadian north. Well, we've uh, had a lot of move uh, movements on the impeachment front. That's really kind of the biggest part of, of this week's news has been. Uh, and it's it's been kind of a, a very twisted uh, story. There's a lot of tendrils going into a lot of areas. Um, probably the most directly impacting on the impeachment scandal is... Uh, Trump lost an appeal to keep his tax return info secret. Uh, the district court had previously ruled his accountants had to turn it over in response to a congressional subpoena. Trump uh, appealed that order to the appellate court, uh, and in a 2-1 decision, which came down within days of them hearing the case, uh, he, he lost that again. Uh, I don't know if he's going to request an in, in-bank in uh, rehearing where the entire appeals court sits on it or if he's just going to go straight to the Supreme Court. But Democrats seem to be pretty close to getting those tax returns. Uh, right. With the stated justification that it's part of the impeachment hearings. Yeah, I, I think, well, my suspicion is that he's going to prefer to take it to the Supreme Court and feel that he's got, I guess, a safer harbor there. Although we've kind of gone back and forth on... Again, the extent to which John Roberts is going to be willing to stick his neck out for him and uh, be willing to defy precedent on behalf of a president who is just pretty disgusting and lawless in pretty much every way. Um, yeah, well, and then, yeah, I guess even if he does lose, you know, the real question is what is the consequence if he still continues to defy the orders of the court? That's well, well, It's not him in this case. Right. It's the yeah. accounting firm, Mazers. Right, right, right. All right. Well, that does make it interesting then. It's pretty much, yeah, he can't physically stop them really, so. Well, I mean, so the other wrinkle in this is um, they were also attempting to go after these returns through Deutsche Bank. Uh, who made a fairly unprecedented uh, secrecy effort in this by burning, shredding all the copies of his returns that they had and wiping the servers and doing what he likes to call uh, acid washing uh, with Hillary Clinton's <laughs> emails, but actually God. scrubbing the hard drive, overriding it with a series of ones and zeros. So the data can't potentially be recovered by examining the, the weak leftover mag mag uh, magnetic field of the hard drive. Right. So, I mean, banks just don't do that for anybody. Like, that took some special strings. I, he can't initiate that after the lawsuit. I mean, that's, that's criminal at that point. Right. It would have had to have been before. I mean, he's, of course, he's been president for going on three years now. That's, I mean, the lawsuit, that was initiated... It's all been post-democratic takeover of the House, correct? The subpoenas, so... Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think Mazers 
did that. I, at least they have not acknowledged doing it. They fought this with Trump uh, on the premise that they have his tax returns. It would be a little bit weird to turn around at this point and say, actually, we don't have them. So yeah. I think we can pretty safely say Mazers has a copy. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, the other thing about impeachment bubbling up, and this is like 10 stories on its own, but Rudy <laughs> Giuliani this week has been, well, having one. Uh, the president was directly implicated by Rudy Giuliani uh, in these crimes, uh, specifically the the frauds he was committing. Uh, it's been alleged that he should have uh, registered under the Foreign Agent uh, Registration Act, FARA. And uh, he did not, and the stated justification was that he did them all at the behest of the president. So he wasn't working at a, as a foreign agent. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and well, he's... He, like he was owning somebody, like, how could I have been a foreign agent when I was doing this at the direction of our president? Right. Well, it's not in his capacity as president, though, that he's doing this. It's really his side business as, you know, an international criminal. So... <laughs> It, it also, like, you're doing the prosecutor's work for him, Rudy. You just it, tied him to the conspiracy. Right. Well, assuming that, you know, he's out of office in time to be you know, indicted. But sure, sure. Now, that's... that actually brings us up to a another potentially very interesting point. I'm glad you said that. Uh, the Office of Legal Counsel memos was tested uh, in that court case that we were, mm-hmm. were just talking about. And... Uh, well, a judge found them distinctly lacking. Oh. Um, just basically threw them out the window. Uh, at the very least, questioned why anybody would possibly rely on them. And didn't yeah. consider them very probative uh, at all. Now, the case didn't touch on the OLCC, o- OLC memos. Excuse me, OLCC is our Liquor Control Council. Um, or commission. But right. uh, so it would be considered dicta, I, I guess. It wasn't directly related to the holding of the case. It was mm. related to a fallback argument that they were using, uh, and the court only touched on it briefly. But uh, enough to say that it was bunk. Uh, the Southern District of New York, uh, which interjected into that court case, uh, actually provoked a response I don't think I'd ever heard from a judge before, where she literally said, Oh, wow from the bench uh, when they were told that they had <laughs> one of the Southern District's arguments was that the Watergate cases were uh, decided incorrectly by the courts and that the court should have upheld Nixon's privilege. Uh, wow. Executive. That was the exact response the yeah. judge had. Holy moly. Yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, to bring this back around to Giuliani, though, uh, he had an especially bad day just on, uh, I believe it was Thursday. On Wednesday, he had lunch with two Russian-Ukrainian-something post-Soviet businessmen. Uh, and on Thursday, they were arrested while attempting to leave the country on one-way tickets to Austria. Nothing suspicious there. <laughs> uh, oh, and Giuliani was supposed to go behind them into Austria as well the day after, uh, according to Giuliani. I don't think a prosecutor has alleged anything there. But Giuliani right. helpfully went on to Fox News to tell everybody. <laughs> it's... Oh my God, he's just... 
he's living up to the uh, living down rather to the SNL caricature of him. Just uh, I'm, I'm the guy who goes on TV and tells you about all the crimes and hopes the fact that I'm being so open about it is going to mitigate or eliminate any kind of political fallout fallout for the boss. And you know, the uh, legal fallout doesn't go away, especially not for him. In a certain sense, they might be right by making these things just so upfront and having nobody's going to say at the first sign that they are going to cut the president loose. But if yeah. you're okay with that first blatant over the line thing, you're going to be okay with the second and the third. And it's it's like raising the water bit by bit on, on a frog until you boil them alive. Well, sure. And well, it also, it seems like there's been a pattern also that the fact that Trump has been willing to just be so blatantly criminal in public, you know, do things like, you know, hey, Russia, if you're listening, hack these emails, that, that would be awesome. Or, hey, China, you know, investigate you, Biden. Investigate Biden if you want a better trade deal. You know, just yeah. so blatant. Has it seems like, I mean, I don't want to attribute this kind of strategizing to him because I'm not sure personally. He's got the cleverness for it, but it does make it seem like, oh, well, what can be the crime here? It, Occam's razor says the president is not going to be doing criminal things in public. And yet, and yet there it is. But, you know, things that they don't necessarily bring to light or that they have some kind of, oh, somebody was trying to hide this element, that caught a little bit more attention. I mean, you know, particularly I'm thinking of Ukraine here, where the story came out as a result of a whistleblower bringing it to attention. You know, that indicates, oh, something was trying to hidden. They at least acknowledged somewhere that they must have been doing something bad. Therefore, the public is willing to get on the wavelength, like, oh, oh, I guess they must have been doing something they shouldn't have been. We're starting to get a fair bit of testimony about everything that happened uh, in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, we've already had a couple people defy uh, executive direction not to appear um democrats issued a subpoena to somebody who was wanting to communicate with the uh committee it was the former ambassador who's forgive me his name I'm, I'm spacing now uh if you could find that I'd appreciate uh, it. who are you looking for again which chair the the former ambassador who was recalled oh. uh this spring she testified just the other day, uh, was going right, to go voluntarily. Ukraine advisor, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the White House told her not to, and then Congress issued And she did it anyway. And then she, well, she told the committee she couldn't uh, because she'd been directed not to, and then the committee issued a subpoena, and she was like, well, you can't say no to that, and came on down. Right. Uh, uh, just a second. I almost had it here, but it's, yeah. It's escaping me too, but yeah, I did see that story earlier this week. So the same thing is a Fiona Hill. That's it. Yeah. Uh, the same thing is going to be happening with uh, former EU advisor and Portland hotelier Kevin Sondland, uh, who is going to appear before the committee over the objections of the executive branch this coming week. He was initially scheduled to appear this week uh, before the White House shut it down, and then just like the former uh, Ukraine special advisor, once Democrats issued a subpoena, he, uh, he said he would go. Yeah. All right, we got us a Cascadia connection on this story. Yeah. Um, 
This has been one that simmered in Portland for a while. This guy donated a lot of money to the Trump inauguration committee um, and for his largesse to the Trump campaign, he was rewarded with the uh, ambassadorship to the EU. He runs a, a bunch of like ridiculously expensive upscale like 12-room hotels in Portland. Uh, right. Historic properties. So, uh, yeah, that's our Cascadian connection. But he is scheduled to testify this week, and he's advised the committee that uh, he will disavow, in in some sense, his earlier statements that there had been no quid pro quo uh, that came from text messages he released to the committee earlier. Um, and he will now say that uh, he said that at the behest of Trump. So that has appeared wow. to be another bit of an earthquake there. That seems like really bad news for the president. I'm not sure how it really there, – there, there's no way to spin that at that point. That's just terrible <laughs> for him. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea how you are going to get out from under that, but they seem to have no shame about any of this. Right. I, I really don't understand it. It's uh, – it's, it's the secret weapon. So yeah. this information actually was just broken by the Washington Post tonight uh, about the content of his testimony this week. Uh, a source cited by the Post says Sondland plans to tell lawmakers that he can't vouch for whether or not the president was honest when he said there was no quid pro quo in urging the Ukrainian president to investigate Joe Biden. It's only true that the president said it, not that it was the truth. I can't testify to its truth. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. <laughs> Sondland uh, had shown a little bit of uneasiness in text message that he personally released to the committee about uh, what Trump was saying, and he had called it himself a quid pro quo in those text messages. Uh, and each time he was told by advisors to the president uh, that they shouldn't text about this in one case and call me in the other case, uh, both transparently just to get around having a written yeah, which is you know, not to say that's always nefarious. There are plenty of perfectly legitimate reasons that you could not want you know written records, something sausage made, basically. Having sure. To do international diplomacy that's messy but necessary and whatnot. Uh, it does not appear to be the case. <laughs> in this, no, let's it, let's it not talk about crimes so crime. much here. <laughs> yeah, let's let's find a way to talk about the crimes in something that's not recording everything we say and is connected through some company we can't necessarily control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the noose, or oh, that's a horrible choice of words. The, uh, the, the net around Trump is really mm -hmm. seeming to tighten. Uh, we saw a lot of movement in the Senate, not to Republicans necessarily abandoning him, but, uh, to Republicans being open to abandoning him. Right. And trying to create some distance for themselves between, you know, their own political lives and, again, all of the crimes. Yeah. We, uh, two real notables, Murkowski, uh, is now on the record saying that she, she can't comment about her vote in an impeachment trial one way or the other because she hasn't looked at the evidence. Yeah. Um, I, I made the comment that she dressed it up in a way that allowed her to feel superior to both sides. Uh, where she could that's uh, pretty vintage murky yeah 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 no she she was doing her thing but uh it, 
she's clearly not ready to say that uh, she would vote against impeachment. We also had uh, similar inklings from a, a number of other Republicans, and some who I thought might be more open turned out to not be. Uh, Alexander in Tennessee, I, he is retiring. He's an old timer. He has nothing to do for the rest of his life. He's not going to have a second act, you know, political right. career. He's going home to the farm, basically. I, I thought he'd be more open to it, but he's he's towing the line. But he pretty strong for Trump there. Uh, but it's enough to get the, the communitariat uh, noting they're, they're softening up on their the Senate will never impeach stance to the Senate yeah. will probably not impeach. I mean, even, God, even if we get to the point where it's a majority voting in favor of removal, which, you know, isn't sufficient, but that would be a hell of a moral victory in itself right there, that a number of Republicans would abandon him and, yeah, say, go on the record and say, this is not acceptable, this is a crime, and you shouldn't be the president anymore. Um, we'll end this topic uh, with one last little bit, and that's the president seems to be getting pretty ready to throw Rudy under the bus. Have you been noticing that? He yeah. wouldn't even confirm that Rudy's still his attorney the other day. Who, who, Rudy who? Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, I, I think Trump has noticed Giuliani is a liability. I don't know how it <laughs> took him as long as it did. The guy's 18 a 18 months. Joke. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what was finally, what finally, what finally broke it through for him, you know? Just, <laughs> oh shit, I watched the cold open on SNL. He's horrible. <laughs> The uh, the other thing we're, we're following is a little bit of erratic foreign policy uh, from the president that has now pretty directly read, led to quite a few deaths and uh, the shelling of American troops. Mm -hmm. Over the last year, uh, Turkey has been getting pretty uh, not happy about the Kurds organizing in Syria. In the absence of an effective national government in Syria because of the civil war, the Kurds have, have kind of stepped up into the power vacuum, very similar to what they did in Iraq, and yeah. got their own autonomous region out of it. Um, the, the Kurds have been the primary force uh, protecting and uh, imprisoning ISIS uh, members and really holding together Northeast Syria. Uh, Turkey is not like that. Turkey uh, has very strong desires to, well, genocide the Kurds. Uh, right. and, and Turkey is well-practiced at the art of genocide. There's an entire Wikipedia page on the late 19th century genocides of the Ottoman Empire. Um, and they're very, very touchy about this subject. They cut off relations with anybody who even acknowledges the Armenian genocide. Um and, and they, they hate the Kurds. They blame them for a, a years-long movement in western Turkey, or eastern Turkey, excuse me, in a Kurdish homeland. Uh, and they've been very uneasy with these Kurds in Syria getting more and more organized into something resembling the country. Uh, consequently, the United States wanted to tamp down tensions, and they negotiated a peace deal uh, between Turkey and the Kurds to keep everybody on the level, and that involved the demolishing and tearing down of Kurdish fortifications along the Turkish border. Um, defensive positions, but positions that Turkey was uncomfortable with. They completed that over the summer. Uh, 
as of four days ago, Trump has pulled the U.S. military out of northern Syria in order to give Turkey the green light to go into Turkish-held uh, northeast Syria and, quote-unquote, pacify it. Erdogan gave an address to European leaders where he uh, told them that if anybody labeled uh, this an occupation, he was going to release 3.6 million refugees into Europe, uh, very clearly making it a threat. Uh, less than eight hours into the uh, Turkish occupation of northern Syria, American troops who Turkey knew exactly where they were, down to the grid coordinate. This information is all shared uh, in order to minimize friendly fire casualties. Turkey is supposedly a NATO ally, although they're getting clearly uncomfortable with that. Uh, they shelled uh, a company of our troops. Nobody was killed, but the, the soldiers had to evacuate. Uh, after the shelling stopped, they had to be pulled illegally out of there. The Kurds have uh, just today announced that it will no longer be a manpower priority to guard prisons where they're holding ISIS uh, captures. They are going to focus manpower on the Turkish conflict, and they'll guard the prisons when they have some bodies. Um, people have been dying. Turkey is shooting people on the street. Uh, I mean, executing Kurdish prisoners they take. There's a number of videos floating around Twitter. Uh, the Kurds have been our biggest partner in the fight against ISIS over the last God, 15 fucking years now. Uh -huh. um, they've really held together in the face of jihadist uh, momentum in the Syrian civil war. The jihadists are nearly entirely defeated. They're, they're down to one city in northwest Syria along the Mediterranean coast. Uh, the rest of it is held by the Kurds, uh, who took territory after wiping the floor with the Islamic State uh, based out of Raqqa, northwest Syria. Uh, people are dying. Uh, the United States is being looked at as a fool. The Kurds are one of our most important allies in, in the, the region. And to be honest, I, I try really hard not to make generalizations. Uh, but the Kurds have one of the very few functioning modern societies in that region. Uh, when you look at Saudi Arabia with its brutal depression of women, look at uh, Israel with its complete disenfranchisement of a third of its citizenship in the apartheid state, you don't get many good news uh, from yeah. fairly progressive societies in the Middle East, and the Kurds are that. They, they have nearly complete equality for women who make up a substantial number of Kurdish fighters. Uh, their, their military is completely gender, uh, gender neutral. Uh, women are accepted just as much as men. They have a religiously tolerant society. They're the ones who stepped in to save the Yazidis facing extermination from the Islamic State for practicing what Islamists considered uh, devil worship. Uh, the, the Kurds are the best allies we have, mm -hmm. and we stabbed them in the back uh, completely. We handed them over yeah. to to Turkey. We handed them over to Turkey after we made them dismantle their defenses. Yeah, not even a kind of passive fucking over the way you know you, there might have might have been described in the aftermath of the first Gulf War, where you know there was encouragement to go ahead and uh, take on Saddam Hussein, and then again we left them to, again, get completely slaughtered or attacked and repressed. That was, yeah, pretty, 
when you lay out the timeline like that, you know, working out an arrangement where they, you know, steadily disarm themselves on the pretense that an American presence is going to maintain the peace. And now, sorry, there's that rug that's gone. This is just so unbelievably depressing, everything about this. It it has been a major source of bipartisan um, criticism of the Trump administration. It's been the one thing that's really given GOP senators a bit of backbone in challenging Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you said, we have a long record of fucking over the nerds. Like, a yeah. long record. I don't just mean us as America, although we are especially guilty. But uh, us as in the Western Democratic powers have right. conveniently found excuses to just divvy up the Kurds between a number of uh, opposing states on multitude of occasions. They're the largest ethnic group without a country to call their own in the world. Yeah. In, in, in terms of population. They have an autonomous region in Iraq. They have a semi-autonomous region in Iran. Uh, they have a war-torn hellhole in Syria. And they have a brutal dictatorship that murders them in, in Turkey. Yeah. It's, yeah, just... Awful. And then on top of it, yeah, you've got the threats from Erdogan to basically weaponize it against the Western powers if they even criticize it by saying, oh, we're going to take all of the, uh, you know, this major factor that's been contributing to destabilization of Western democracies and that, you know, the flow of refugees from the Syrian civil war. Well, we're going to bump that up multiple times over and see how well you handle it, maybe. Maybe give a boost to the uh, flagging fascist parties in Western Europe. Do, so, we, do we really think Turkey is going to give back that land, too? Oh. Turkey has been getting more and more belligerent in, in the region, more and more willing to throw military muscle around. Uh, yeah. And more to the point, they're, they're starting to gin up a war drum uh, against Iraqi Kurdistan, which yeah. is not something you had seen before. Um, they were fairly... They've never liked it. Well, I, they liked them a lot more than the other Kurds because uh, mm. they, they kept basically a, a functioning northern Iraq uh, without, you know, terror camps that the, sure. the YPD could train in and whatnot. Uh, but when the Iraqi Kurds started arming the Syrian Kurds to resist ISIS and resist the Assad regime, uh, they, they kind of soured the soup a, a little bit. And one of the opening salvos of this attack on Syria was actually bombing parts of Iraq, uh, the border crossings with Syria mm-hmm. coming from Iraqi Kurdistan. They, they took them down with uh, surface-to-air missiles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Iraq's not in any position to resist that. They're in the throes of unrest right now, and a couple hundred people have died in the last few months uh, via Shia unrest. Iraq's in hiding. They're not even in their capital right now. Their government's outside Baghdad. Right. Yeah, I I have no doubt that Turkey has some aspirations in in terms of territory. Yeah, at this point, there's a vacuum. They can move in and try to fill it for sure. It's just, God, it's so awful. Um, Turkey has the second largest military in NATO. Uh, Yeah. And the Iraqi Kurds will be on their own, which isn't terrible. They've been on their own for a while. They haven't had a lot of uh, support from the Baghdad government or former Baghdad government now. But by the same token, they cannot rely on any help from 
the central government of Iraq to hold its territorial integrity whatsoever. I oh, mean, no. It, it's a failed state at this point. Iraqi Kurdistan is the only part of it that resembles it. Yeah, well, it had been half swallowed by ISIS for most of the last decade. So, yeah. Uh, man, it's, you know, you remember, you know, back in the days when we were younger and being appalled by, you know, some Kissingerian fucking over of, you know, people who don't really have it coming, you know, just because it served some larger interest of the United States or people just didn't have something we wanted. And so that wasn't really going to merit us, you know, stepping out of our way to defend them. But I don't know. It feels so much worse when it's entirely possible it's over some personal financial interest of the president or Putin telling him this is something you got to do. It's just so much more disgusting. Yeah. Um, And the Putin telling him what to do thing is not so much a fairy tale. The Kurds have now started trying to turn to Russia for a little bit of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their envoy reported to the United States State Department today that if he doesn't get some answers from Trump within like six hours or something from when the message was delivered, he's going to have to open a line of communication with the uh, the Russian Foreign Service just oh, to to try good. and get something to to stop his people from being there. The sure. Russian troops are in Syria. If he can move some of them into the disputed area, Turkey's not going to risk firing on them. Yeah, give uh, Putin the opportunity to play, you know, even more sides in the region. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Win, 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 win. They're really good at a spy game, man. (laughs) That that is something that has struck me from since the 2016 election. We we thought we had, like, you know, some unbeatable NSA, which is the most high-tech, incredible thing in the world that can do whatever it wants with a snap of its fingers. We suck compared to what Russia is able to pull off. They mm-hmm. are just good at this. And to be fair, they've had like 70 years of experience, but shit, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, they. it's basically the, the covert win of the century, of two centuries what they pulled off in 2016. And now they are, yeah, reaping the benefits everywhere they can go. And it's scary because I don't think there's a way for us to fix it. Like, the damage has been done. Yeah. There is a fundamental cleave in this country. This behavior, out of this president, some people simply are okay with. And to everybody else, that completely boggles the mind. It's like we are a different species. That damage is done. You, you don't put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That, I, I think that's everything for the last three years, really. That kind of sums it up. There's there's no real way to fix it. Yeah. God. Somebody once said that it was always possible to, to win by appealing to the baser instincts, to, to win by appealing to, to racism and to hatred in this country. And it was only... The, the patriotism of, of statesmen, basically, that kept us from doing it. And, you know, here we are 250 years later and somebody did it and we're just fucked. Yeah. And, and Russia, Putin is, is strumming his, his fingers on the table with a little grin on his face. 
because the the one check on Russian power in the world is pretty much at war. So yeah, and they basically banked on us doing this to ourselves, and here we are. Yeah, we've we've done it. <laughs> All right. Well, All on right. that downer of a note, I think that'll just about wrap it up for us this week. Uh, is there anything Boy. intensive this week that you want people to see? Um, God, there's more debates. I'm done with it, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's cap- that's happening this week. We'll get to... Uh, hopefully yeah. Bernie lives through it, and hopefully... Man, yeah, it's... I'm getting tired of it. Tom Steyer's going to be there. Tulsi's not, maybe, so that's good. Yeah, Tulsi might... Uh boycott it which to be honest would do everybody a favor because at the moment there's 12 candidates on one stage stop no don't (laughs) that's terrible oh no we're doomed (laughs) um i'm gonna excuse me i'm going to plug something that will probably be decided by the time you hear this but there's a governor's election in louisiana tonight Right. John Bell Edwards is going to win it. The question is whether he gets over 50% or not. If he doesn't, there will be a runoff with his uh, most powerful Republican challenger and only ballot. He probably needs to win it outright tonight, but not guaranteed. He won it in a runoff last time. Um, but this time, his, his margins have narrowed a little bit. If he doesn't win it tomorrow or tonight... It gets a little bit tougher for him. As of right now, with 42% reporting, he has 46% of the vote. So he has not won outright yet. It's, I guess the one question is where the outstanding vote is. I'm seeing some northern parishes with nothing reported yet. Uh, New Orleans is about halfway in. So we will see. Yeah, uh, and he he was crushing the early vote, but not by as much as they crushed it in 2018. Yeah. Uh, but, better, but better than he crushed it in his win the first go-around. Yeah. He's still pretty popular, so, oh, yeah. I mean, he could probably survive a runoff, but it's definitely going to be different than if, uh, yeah, than the last time around when David Vitter was on the other side. Yeah, if he uh, goes to a runoff, he's going to have to rely on Republicans of the other candidates who didn't get through deciding that he's the better choice. Right. And it's actually pretty neck and neck as to uh, which of those two it is. Right now, it's uh, about one and a half percentage points differences between Eddie Raspone and Ralph Abraham. I don't know much about the slate of the, the entire field here. I do remember that Ralph Abraham was... Uh, one of those assholes who was tweeting about how awesome it was that Trump was trying to get people to kill Ilhan Omar. So, you know, he's a shit. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that means we should be cheering for him to be the opponent in a runoff or not. Oh, God, there's a good chance he's the governor. Yikes. (laughs) Real politic just makes me feel dirty. I know. All All right. right. Have a good week, Dan. You too, Brock. Mm -hmm. Later.